Welcome to Startup Happy Hour, sponsored by Content Allies. Grab a drink and join us to hear fun and inspirational stories from startup founders and visionaries who are making a positive impact in our communities and learn how you too can turn your new and exciting ideas into reality. Welcome back to Startup Happy Hour. I'm Diana Chen, your host, and I'm here today with Nash Ahmed. Nash is the founder at Undock, a company that allows you to instantly schedule, host, and document your meetings. And prior to this, Nash was the founder at Viperbox, uh, or the CEO at, at Viperbox. And so I want to talk to him more about his experiences you know, in all of these entrepreneurial roles. Hey, Nash, how's it going? I'm doing wonderful. How are you, Diana? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks so much for being here today and you know, chatting with me and sharing your story with my listeners here. So first things first, why don't you tell me a little bit more about Undock? Um, tell, tell us what Undock does specifically, how you came up with the idea and how things are going with it. Sure. Uh, well, as you, as you mentioned, Undock helps people instantly schedule, host, and document their meetings. Right now, the first version of the application that we've released allows you to schedule directly in email, and we incorporate all parties in the email. We look at your schedule, we look at your preferences and your scheduling behavior, and we make suggestions that takes into account all of those things for you and all of those things for everyone else in the meeting. So that's the, the basis of how the application works. How we came up with the idea, or I guess how I came up with the idea is a, a long and winding road. Um, the first version of it was a physical product called the, the Presence Pod. And I came up with that. Uh, I was sitting in my office and I had uh, a call that was on and I had a call that was waiting for me on hold and a literal line of employees, three of them outside of my door. And to me that screamed, something is terribly wrong here. And there has to be a better way to manage my schedule to um, you know, deal with the throughput issues there and also not have everyone waiting for around, waiting around for me in queues. So I built a physical device that I put a little light on it. It will tell people when I'm on the phone, when I'm in a meeting, when I'm working on a task, when I'm busy or when I'm free to be addressed. And I started with that device and I said, it actually would be pretty cool if we put that device online. So anyone in the world can have this status and know when it's a good time to reach out to me, whether I'm free or busy. Long story short, we started building out that product. We connected it to your phone system, to calendar, to conferencing systems, to project management systems. So you can show your free, busy status online to anyone. And we took some of those principles of that real-time availability and applied it to the calendaring space. And that's when things got interesting. So I said, what if I can tell you instantly, wherever you are, if you're in email or if you're on Twitter or you're on your mobile device, when the person you're trying to meet with is free or busy in the future? It's actually a slightly easier problem uh, than the one we originally set out to solve. Uh, yeah, so we started uh, tackling the calendaring space and built a, a beautiful product that people seem to love and happy to take more questions on it. That's awesome. So I, I would love a product demo of this, but I know our listeners can't see our screens. Um, but walk Just us envision through- magic. <laughs> walk us through exactly how that would work. So say we're coworkers, we work at the same company. Uh, how would you- how would I go about showing my status? Like, do I have to set it or how, how, 
how do I communicate my status to you? And then how do you see my status on your end to know if, you know, I'm on a call or if I'm working on something or if I'm doing nothing and you can come and chat with me about stuff? Um, how does it like, like walk us through that, how it actually works? They can't see me smiling right now, but we have not released the real-time version of the product, even though it was the first thing we built. Right now, what we released is the scheduling portion. Um, But if the listeners are are smart, we have a big event coming up in about four weeks, and we may or may not be releasing the real-time version of the product. So right now, what you do is if you're inside of your email, uh, right now we're in Gmail and Microsoft, we're coming to Superhuman and possibly Hey next, but working on Superhuman right now. Uh, You're in your email. Sally has emailed you and she's like, Hey, I would love to meet. When are you free? You would type in, Hey Sally, I'm free. You hit our, our hotkey, a window pops up. And you see three beautiful suggestions that are really perfect for you. You don't even have to think about it. You insert them in three clicks. You send it off to Sally, and she can select which time works best for her. Now let's say Sally is also on Undock. You go through the exact same process. You hit that slash key. Those three suggestions that you see take into account Sally's availability, Sally's preferences, uh, Sally's scheduling behavior, Sally's time zone, everything that we know about Sally, everything we know about you, and anyone else on the email, it could be Sally, John, Michael, Sarah, Kevin, five different people on the email. It'll work just as fast to deduce a time that works best for everyone. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and what is the cost to companies for using Undock? Is it a free service or do they have to pay a monthly subscription to use it? Um, and I, I'm, I guess like how ex- I just want to know how accessible it is to companies, especially to startup companies out there. Great question. So uh, part of our mission is to help everyone find the optimal time to meet. So the scheduling portion of our application, the basic scheduling is free and always will be free. There's no barriers to entry. So if anyone wants to try anything that I just said, they can sign up for the platform at undock.com and get started right away. That part is 100% free. So we do have a full meeting stack. So there's a documentation portion. So if you need to create an agenda, discussion topics, action items, uh, notes related to your meeting, you can host the conference call on Undock and you can also record it. Uh, There are certain aspects of that that we charge for. Not all of it, but certain aspects of that. But the scheduling, we want to be uh, omnipresent uh, everywhere you go, on every platform, there will be a, a free version of Undock to help people schedule. Gotcha. So then once you build out the full functionality, it's kind of like combining Zoom and Google Docs and Google Calendar and all of the tools that we use in our day-to-day into one platform. Is that accurate? Combining some of the, the functionality that makes sense, but we've, we've sort of re-envisioned the entire uh, meeting experience. So... Uh, a meeting really should be one, it's one record. That's what we call it, it's one record. It's one thing. And we've figured out a very, very nice seamless process for you to have a meeting where you don't need 17 tools to have this meeting. Yeah, I love that. Because right now I, I, you know, I have my meetings on Zoom. And then if I want to share, you know, my recording with a writer on my team or somebody else on my team, then I have to 
either share the link with them or upload it to our Google Drive. And there's just so much behind the scenes, like administrative and ops things that, you you know, I, I have to do or that somebody from my team has to do. And I'm just envisioning if all of this is on one platform that could save us all so much time and make us more productive in other ways. 100% 100% and the the positioning that we're taking is not necessarily that we need to replace any or all of those tools, but we're giving all of the participants in the meeting who could be from seven different companies or even within the same company that all use different tools, we're giving them a place to come together, have the meeting, get the notes, get the transcript, get the discussion topics, get the action items, share whatever files, and then undock and automatically send it back to whatever platforms there are. So you could be meeting with someone from another company and they use Trello and you use Asana and then you create your action items within the meeting and yours that are assigned to you goes back to Trello, theirs goes back to Asana or, you know, it goes to undock if they should choose to use our application for it. So same process for notes. So let's say you have, um, you prefer Google Docs, other person prefers Evernote, someone else prefers Undock notes. It doesn't matter. It'll get shared back to the respective platforms. Gotcha. That's awesome. So it's not so much that you guys are building out a native or native functionalities for all of these things, but you're integrating with uh, products that already exist like Zoom and Asana and Trello and things like that, right? Both. So yes. Both. If, yeah. <laughs> if, if you should, so I always say the whole keep your your doctor ask. If you like love Zoom for whatever reason, Undock integrates with Zoom, and we can even overlay our agenda and action items over uh, Zoom conferencing as well. Uh, I think in the long run, because of the the different approach we take to getting you through the meeting process, most people that interact with Undock in any phase in the scheduling the documentation or the conferencing portion will end up using Undock for a lot more things than they don't. Yeah, for sure. That's even better. You, you've got the native platform and you've got all the third-party integrations. That's yes. awesome. Are there any other companies like you out there yet? No. So we're definitely in the, the business of category creation and some would say it's overly ambitious and you're working on too many things. Um, but the, the key is the simplification of the process that we've uh, figured out, the simplification of the process, and also the simplification of the, the platform that, again, we've, we think we've uh, figured out that enables us to deliver a really comprehensive product. So no one does, scheduling alone, no one has as uh, omnipresent of a scheduling platform as Undock. So Undock for scheduling, uh, integrates with Google Calendar, Microsoft, Apple is coming next month. But we're also interoperable with uh, a Calendly or an X.AI or a HubSpot scheduler or uh, our outreach uh, calendar platforms. And uh, within the next six months, it should be interoperable with literally any calendar platform that's in existence now or created in the future. That's awesome. that's yeah that's so cool I I mean I asked that because I can't think of any off the top of my head and I didn't know if they were out there and I just didn't know about them or if you guys really are you know first you've got that first mover advantage by being you know just brand new and uh, the the first company to tap into this so that's awesome thank you Um, yeah 
Yeah. Before we move on from Undock, uh, tell the people what you were alluding to about the event in a couple of weeks or a month where you might be unveiling new features. Yes, we will be unveiling two things, one new live functionality, and then we'll be, people would be able to surmise what we're talking about. We'll be hinting at the full scope of what we're building that will be released early uh, next year. We've definitely given some indications of what we're building and that it's not a uh, scheduling tool per se. It's more of a a meeting operating system. but we'll be making an announcement at the end of October, and we'll also be uh, possibly lifting uh, the wait list that we have for our application, or at least sending out uh, several thousand uh, invites from the wait list at, at that event. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. wow. That's super exciting. Yeah. And we're, we're going to try to do it a little bit differently than uh, standard uh, product launches and product uh, announcements. So uh, definitely stay tuned. It will be very entertaining at the very least. Awesome. Awesome. I I love the suspense. (laughs) Got to keep people on their toes. 100%. So going back to, let's just, you know, go all the way back to when did you first get interested in startups or entrepreneurship? I know looking, just looking at your LinkedIn there, you've got, it seems like you were always sort of in that startup world. Um, Did you always have an interest in startups and entrepreneurship even as a kid or how did that develop? Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a separation between uh, entrepreneurship and startups, uh, per se, at least venture-backed startups. So, yes, I always wanted to start my own businesses, run my own businesses uh, from a very young age. I have a great degree in computer science, but I minored in uh, business management, and I also started getting my MBA. So there's always a, a thought for me of... Um, running my own businesses and owning my own businesses. I've had several that are not on my LinkedIn from a production company that I ran for uh, a few years, um, uh, a web development company that I've had. Uh, So ever since graduating college, yes, at some point I was running some business. I did real estate for a bit of time as well. So that's just in my, my nature, my DNA to, uh, you know, have my own operation that I'm building something. I always like building things. And it was around 2013, which is timely, where, you know, the standard small business, I always thought of like, hey, let's build a couple businesses, get some passive income, build another business, get some passive income. It was around 2013 that I understood the power of uh, venture scaled businesses. Uh, and I actually started listening to uh, a podcast shortly thereafter uh, from Jason Calacanis, uh, This Week in Startups. Here and there, I would listen to it. I'd read some books and I got really, really interested in what uh, venture can do for the scale and the size of your business around that time. So, again, I've always been a person that either had businesses, uh, had business ideas, and around the 2014-15 timeframe is when I started learning about uh, venture scale businesses. So, when it came time for me to leap into my next uh, venture, I said, it's going to be a venture scale business. And uh, fortunately, I, I chose Undock, and I think it was the right business choice at the right time. I had uh, 48 other ideas to choose from at the time. That's how it always goes with entrepreneurs. Yeah. You've always got 48 ideas in your back pocket. Yep. 
So that, that is something that uh, I, I should have asked about when we were talking about Undock, but t- walk me through that venture process. What was it like going after your first venture-backed startup? And then uh, I guess, like, what were some of the challenges that you had along the way? What were some of the pros that you saw along the way? And looking back now, are, are you still of the position that venture-backed uh, is the way to go as opposed to just bootstrapping? I definitely don't think venture backed is the way to go. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So with Undock, and it was again through uh, quite a bit of ideation and iteration that I decided that it could be a really big business, you know, on the level of the Googles and the Microsoft. So it doesn't mean you're ever going to get there, but if that's what you're trying to do, it's going to be very hard to bootstrap to that, especially with the competitive nature. Uh, that exists today and the ease in which you can spin up uh, software startups today. So it's, it's very hard to compete out there without the ability to recruit uh, talent and move very, very quickly. Um, so would I recommend it only if you want to build a billion dollar, $10 billion, $100 billion business? Because um, you, you can get to profitability uh, and happiness in a non-venture scaled business very quickly if you know how to execute. Um, For me, I I definitely think it was the right choice. Uh, We're on a a good path. The fundraising uh, process uh, had a couple of turns. So I incorporated the business uh, in September of 2018 and I sent out my first cold investor email like two weeks later, which is obviously way too soon. Um, and the product was, again, the first version of the product, and it wasn't very well baked. It was just very, very, very early MVP. Um, so uh, the thought process for me was to get into an accelerator to make it easier to raise capital. And that's essentially what we did. We got into the ERA accelerator. We completed it in May, and it made our fundraising process uh, so much easier, not just because you got into accelerator, but it's because you went there, you worked on your business, you iterated on your business, you learned how to talk about your business, you learned how to talk to investors, and then you made a big presentation that you put a lot of time and effort into, and then you reap the rewards from that. So uh, definitely that's a path that's been charted by many, many, many successful companies. There are others that you know bootstrap and then raise venture capital, um, but that, that was the path that I chose, and I think it was the most effective. Uh, essentially, we raised the well, we raised way more than I intended to raise in about a third of the time that I had allotted for it. So it took us about uh, eight weeks to uh, get the round closed. Wow! What, and that was your was that your Series A? No, 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 no. That was our, our that was first a seed round. round. Yeah, it was a, a seed round. Some might even call it a, a pre-seed, but it's uh, yeah, that was our first round of institutional capital. That's still really awesome. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about what the incubator was like? Because I think a lot of people listening are interested in, you know, applying to an incubator or an accelerator and everybody's heard of Y Combinator and, you know, the the big players out there. But is it essentially just like school, like a, like a camp class, like going to school, like in hyperspeed or uh, describe that more to the listeners? Because I think they'll be really interested to hear about that. Yeah, you can look at it like that. I also did startup school, which is Y Combinator's like pre Y Combinator. And it's, the accelerator itself is definitely very different because it, 
it, if you're listening again, if you're open to mentorship, it just forces you to constantly think about your business and challenge your own assumptions about your business, about your market, about your product, about your team, about your uh, go-to-market strategy. And all of that was immensely valuable. Now, the biggest takeaway for me was definitely the, the mentorship and hearing from people that have, have been through it. And then not just their lectures, but literally speaking to them about situations that we have going on right now. When we walked into our accelerator, we were already launching our beta. So we had the product built, we bootstrapped to build the product. And we were about to send out some invites for our uh, beta. And they knew the state of the product. They knew which version of the product we were planning to ship. And they had us question that very, very deeply. And we pulled the plug on that. And it was singularly the best decision that we made not to go to market with that version of the product. And that's day one value. That was okay. It was day two, but I'm going to call it day one value. They literally provided that value day one. And then we, we got really, really focused on the best version of the product to introduce to the world first. And uh, that's what we put out there. And the, the feedback that we've gotten from uh, users and investors was 10x over the original product that we had ready at that time. So uh, that was great. And then the the constant, the constant uh, iteration on your messaging and your positioning and how you talk about your business, incredibly valuable. I didn't know how to talk about the business in a way that was relatable to either consumers or to investors. The only people that would relate to how I'm talking about it were people that get really excited about some of the technical, which I haven't brought up at all in this conversation, which tells you how much I've learned. Uh, some of the uh, technical uh, leaps and marvels that we've uh, accomplished, and we already have one patent filed, and there's uh, two more that are coming. Uh, that's going to enable us to scale our business much more quickly uh, than some of the competitors and actually have a, a really, really powerful product out there, but that's not how you go about getting consumers interested in your business. And that's not how you go about getting investors interested in your business. And we learned that through the accelerator. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you say that because that's something that I work with clients on from a day-to-day -day basis is as a content strategist is getting them to talk about their product or service in a relatable you know, basic English human way. Yeah, I'm still working get, on it. I mean, they have, they have, so, well, you know, it's understandable. Like you have a, such a cool product and you've worked so hard to build it out and it has all of these super high level cool capabilities. But when you talk about it, like you would talk about it to another you know, computer science grad or yep. a coder, maybe they would understand what you're saying, but those aren't the users. 100%. That you're trying to get, you know, yeah. you're just trying to get like average, like normal workers out there, anybody that uses a scheduling tool. So, uh, no, that's awesome. So for people that maybe don't have the opportunity to go through an accelerator, how would you, do you have any, any advice for them about how to go about getting the resources that you got, like learning how to speak to the market, um, finding mentors to walk them through the process, getting people, finding people to maybe even question their product, you know, like what happened to you guys on day one? Um, 
are there resources for people out there who maybe can't get into an accelerator? The world of information that's available to people today is insane. Everything is out there. Not everything is going to provide immediate value to you. You have to find, you know, your best way to learn, but it's out there. The information is out there. Uh, Parsing it is the challenge. And then also finding really solid mentorship. But I'm sure you'd be surprised. You can reach out to people on say Twitter or LinkedIn and they will respond and they will give you their thoughts and their advice and you may be able to find a good mentor that way. A lot of the people that I found either as advisors or mentors for the business, I just messaged them on AngelList or I messaged them on LinkedIn or I messaged them on Twitter. I recruited people from messaging on AngelList and Twitter. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask. I'm, I actually, there's one, two, three, there's at least a dozen people that have reached out to me since the uh, fundraising announcement, uh, just about advice, either about fundraising or, or product building. And I'm very short on time, but if I can give 15 minutes of advice or, or critiques, whatever my opinion may be worth uh, to them, I do it. So I'm sure there's others out there that are, that are open to it. That's awesome. The, yeah, the, sorry. The uh, the wealth of inform- information. Uh, YC Startup School is a great place to start. Uh, there's a ton of information on YouTube. Listening to this week in startups, it's not this week in startups is not instructional, but it's extremely uh, informative. Just a wide array of uh, startup uh, topics, and uh, it's definitely a, a good uh, uh, way to learn how a lot of other businesses are operating in the venture space. That's super helpful. Thank you for that. I was just going to ask when you reach out to people on LinkedIn for mentorship, maybe, or, you know, maybe um, when people have reached out to you since you've gotten that a lot lately, how do you recommend that people reach out? You know, is there like a good way to, uh, you know, because from the receiving end, it's like you're getting a message from a stranger, right? So um, obviously, like if if you're just that kind hearted and you're going to respond to every single person and give your time to every single person, like that's great. But for most people who are incredibly busy and don't have time to respond to every single message, how would you advise, you know, sending out that message or what, what what should people say in that message to get your attention? Well, I'm a little bit biased. Uh, the shorter the message, the better. And that's the way I respond to people. Like I'll get, you know, 40 paragraphs in an email and I'll write two sentences, not just to be rude, but, you know, like you said, you know, time permitting, you, you can allot a certain amount of time to things. So be short to the point. Uh, this doesn't matter to me, but I know it matters to others. If you say something that's relevant to them about their business or something unique about their business to show that you're not just spamming uh, a bunch of people, uh, that could definitely help. But be short, direct, and to the point. And I've seen this pop up a lot over Twitter the last couple of years. Like, don't say, pick your brain. Like, start off with a specific question or a specific ask. And you may get a response in that email. They may not hop on a, a chat, but you might start a dialogue that way. I actually have, well, I won't put the, the name out there. I made an ask to a, a founder of a, a it's a billion dollar startup now. And we are uh, chatting over email uh, right now. It was just a very simple ask. So uh, even I'm doing it, I'm still reaching out and looking for mentorship. I, I'm by no means uh, a person to give mentorship. I don't believe at this uh, point in time, but you know, I have some relevant 
uh, stories. I'm a case study at this moment in time for people that are going through the same thing. So I, I like to be helpful there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. All right. So another thing I did want to ask you about is uh, I, I like to ask this question for um, any of my guests that come on that are minorities in the space, just because the tech space is so dominated by white males um, that, you know, whenever I have a woman or a racial minority or, you know, somebody, I always love to chat about this as, you know, an Asian female myself being in the space. Like I've faced this every day. So I guess for you, like, I'd love to hear about your experiences being a minority in the tech startup space um, and any challenges you face and any, you know, words of inspiration or encouragement you have for other people who look like you. Yeah, so this is a, a topic that I'm still wrestling with uh, for a couple of reasons, and I'll, I'll get to it in a second. But my first, first foray into the, the venture space, someone reached out to me, an investor reached out to me and says, oh, this product looks really cool. Uh, love to chat. And I told him, like, oh, I have this amount of revenue, blah, blah, blah. I've got this team. This is what we're building. And then we met. And he's like, wow, okay, that's pretty well put together. Uh, you shouldn't have any trouble raising money except for the fact that you're black. He just said it to me. I'm like, oh, okay. So, wow, wow. You know, I, I know that it's always harder just in general, but at that point, I looked up the numbers. So I didn't know what the numbers were. I looked at the numbers like, oh, wow, this is, a, this is abysmal. I am going to have a challenge, and I appreciate him you know, going out on a limb and just literally spelling it out for me. Um, he caveated it saying, well, you know, you do have you know, a ton of things going for you with the business otherwise. So, you know, you should be able to raise uh, capital. But he even said that, I don't know that you'll be able to get it from my firm, but I'll help you in one way or another. So uh, that was literally my first investment meeting went like, actually, no, that's not true. My first investment meeting was with Jason Calacandis. That was my second uh, investment uh, meeting. So, I've always had it in my head that it's just going to be harder. So the second person you meet tells you that straight out. And then you look at the numbers and you say, raising capital for anyone is hard. It's like some like 3% of companies that attempt to raise capital end up raising capital. So it's already hard. Then to be in the 1% of that 3% makes it feel impossible. Uh, so I'm probably going to end up writing a, a blog uh, post at some point. I was asked to do it earlier, but I generally don't like talking about uh, myself, uh, which is why I said I'm a little bit conflicted on it. Uh, still working on being more uh, public. Um, but uh, I was told either by friends or others in the industry that you're not going to be able to raise and you know, for various reasons, or you're not going to be able to raise at this valuation, or it's going to take you this amount of time to do it just because of this or just because of that. And generally, my experience was, I met over 120 investors in six weeks time period. And a lot of them said, yes. So I attribute that to the product being pretty good, the timing of the product being Probably you couldn't ask for a better time to be releasing uh, this type of product. So that's definitely a contributing factor to it. So I feel like I had as much of a disadvantage I have as an underrepresented founder. I had a couple other things propping me up. 
to make the process easier. But I have friends. I know that I've struggled. Uh, I was talking to someone that closed around the same time as me, but they started it 10 months earlier. And they had more traction than I did. Different market, different segment. Uh, and they ended up raising a little bit more money, but it was hard. It was a long, hard process. I honestly did not go through that process. And the funny is not the word. The ironic thing is uh, I have an, an advisor and I was speaking to her um, about uh, speaking out about the, the troubles that underrepresented founders have, uh, particularly black founders in tech have uh, around the George Floyd uh, murder and then the subsequent protests. And I said, you know, my biggest issue is uh, number one, let me put it aside. The biggest issue is that a black man was murdered for really no reason. And everybody should be up in arms about it and speaking out uh, about it. And my internal conflict was I've had a ton of run-ins. Uh, I've dealt with a ton of racism, but I've overcome it. So it's like, let me not say I've overcome. I've been able to proceed despite uh, dealing with racism in various uh, channels. So I always feel like my story is a triumphant one, even though I'm nowhere near where uh, I hope to end up. I always feel like it's a triumphant one. So it's one that I should get comfortable talking about and telling people about in order to inspire others to let them know that it can be done despite everything that you will face because you will face it. So I've even faced it. It's not like I'm saying I'm immune to it or haven't dealt with it. I've dealt with it. I faced it. And I just continue, continue, continue to try to persevere. So the thing that I was wrestling with was I still don't ever really want to talk about my story, but I'm working uh, on being more public about me as a person. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that first of all. And also I, I agree with, you know, a hundred percent of what you said, like it's as much as it is difficult to talk about yourself, to share, you know, really personal experiences that you've been through. I think you, it can, your story and your experiences can help so many people out there. Because like you said, a lot of people who look like you in the space think that what you've been able to achieve even so far, even though you think that you still have so far to go, um, just looking at what you've been able to achieve so far may seem impossible yes. to some others uh, that are walking in your same shoes. So I think, you know, anything you can do to sort of share your story, I, I think can provide a lot of encouragement and a lot of inspiration for other people. And, and you know, like the stats are abysmal right now. Yeah. They're, they totally work against you. But, you know, that's, that's another thing to think about is how do we change these stats? And how do we make it so that in 10 years we're not looking at the same stats? You know, I think it, it, it does take uh, people who have been successful um, 100%. in underrepresented groups to stand up and be really vocal and be really loud. And that's how other people are going to get motivated and inspired. Um, yeah, but it's one still, thing still a personal challenge for me, but I, I, will, I will get there. I'll, I'll write totally. something and, and I, then maybe once it's out, I'll be more comfortable talking. Uh, exactly. I, I think, I think you'll, I think that's t so true. And I think you'll be surprised, um, you, you know, by the response that you get 
once you do put something out there, I think once you put something out there and you get that outpouring of support and love and not to say that it's all going to be that and you're not going to get haters because there's always trolls on the internet, you know, like no matter what you're talking about, there's going to be trolls and trolls are going to troll. But I think you'd be surprised by how much support and love you're going to get for that. And I think that'll make it easier for you uh, going forward to share more as well. But thanks for sharing that. I, I, yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, And I, I hope that for other you know, people of color listening to this who are trying to start their own company or trying to raise their first round that they really get inspired by your story. Yeah. Just don't, don't, I mean, I say don't ever quit, but you know, the, don't look at the numbers as a reason to not do it. So if you like, you know, say, Oh, well, it's only, it's less than I'm a, I'm a, a black woman is a less than 1% of venture capitalists going to me. What are the odds that I'm going to get it? If you have that mentality, then you're, it's going to be even harder for you. I'm not going to say what my uh, girlfriend told me uh, the mentality to take, but it was almost the, the opposite. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. But she told me to take a mentality, uh, and I, I think it worked uh, for uh, fundraising. So just be, be positive about it and assume that you are going to raise that capital and don't look at the numbers it's not not going to make you feel good. Right. And there's a, you know, there's, there's a first for everything and there's gotta be people that pave the path for other people. Like it doesn't just, we don't just change the numbers from less than 1% to, you yeah. know, 5%, 10%, 20% overnight. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that. It starts with one person yes. and then two people and three yeah. people. And that's literally how it starts. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so outside of work and you know all this techy uh, technical stuff, who is Nash? Like, what do you enjoy doing? What are your hobbies? Who are you as a person? Hobbies. So I'm gonna have to go back to before I started undocked. Think about right. I feel like this were. this question's no. always so hard for my podcast no. guests because no. they're spending so much time working. <laughs> well, design is always been one of my hobbies, so, and that goes. Be even beyond uh, web design or app design, like interior design, all other stuff. Always like that. So, I any chance I get to design something, anything, uh, I even help people with their pitch decks just for the fun of it and just designing. Like just 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 send it to me. I'll 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 do it. Just give just give it to me. So that's like a hobby. But hobby hobby wise, uh, I'm a musician. I like making music. I have a, a music studio and uh, I produce music. So um, that's a major hobby for me and. Uh, yeah, it's a creative outlet um, in both directions. I can make things that make me happy and dance. And there's like a little bit of frustration when I get out, make something dark or write something dark. And yeah, that's that's definitely my, my biggest hobby outside of uh, work. That's awesome. What kind of music do you make? Everything. It's so eclectic. Like uh, I'll, that I'll definitely put out there. You actually find some of it on Nash Theory. Uh, dot com, but I'll, I'll make like a pop song. I'll make a hip hop song. I'll make R and B. I'll make a piano ballad. I'll make some really dark string concerto. I'll, I'll do it all. I do it all. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a creative uh, outlet for me. I don't do it for uh, monetary reasons anymore. But I used to uh, produce, uh, you know, as a profession temporarily at least. Yeah, I love that. NashTheory.com. We'll have to check that out later. No. 
<laughs> it's out there now. Yeah, <laughs> this is, is your your first step in yeah. going public with yeah. your life and your story. NashTheory.com. I'm gonna take the site down now. I'm oh kidding. no! I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go I'm screenshot kidding. it right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, there, there's uh, there's some there's some cool stuff on there. Okay, awesome. We'll have to check that out. So, last question: If you looking back to you know Nash ten years ago, twenty years ago, before all of this started. What would be your biggest piece of advice for somebody that is trying to get to where you're at today that is maybe, you know, where you were 10 years ago? From where Another I was. piece of advice. There's, there's really two things that have changed for me, uh, at least perspective-wise, from where I was uh, 10 years ago. And I'll, I'll see which one I think is more important. Uh, one is, sounds a little bit counterintuitive, at least for me, because that's not the way I, I ever thought, but you have to do things for yourself at some point in time. And up until 18 or so months ago, that was not my MO. It's like, I'm fine. I'm good. I have, you know, whatever it is that I need. I don't need to do anything for myself. But, you know, putting your yourself uh, in a position to make yourself happy and do what it is that you want to do, uh, as early as you can activate that in your brain, the better. Uh, so I, I'd add that there. The other thing was about uh, having uh, more foresight in your your planning and your bigger picture long-term goals, but everybody uh, talks about uh, that. But for me, biggest change from 2010 to 2020 is I'm building this business uh, the way I want to build the business. I'm running the business uh, and building the product that I want to do. And even though I was in many other businesses before, that was never the case. So definitely find something that you want to do, do it your way. And uh, yeah, you, I'm sure will achieve some level of success doing that. I love that. I love that. All right. So before we close out, I like to play a quick little game awesome. with my guests. Um, so I've got two games that you can choose from. The first one is this or that. And the second one is the word association game. Which mm. would you prefer? This or that. Okay, let's do it. So I've got 10 sets of words. I'm just going to say A or B, and you tell me what your pick is. No need to explain anything. We're going to do the super rapid fire. All right? Okay. Okay, cool. So first one, plane or train? Plane. Hot or cold? Hot. Night or day? Day. Beach or mountain? Beach. Coffee or tea? Coffee. That's new for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Recent coffee drinker? I didn't have my first cup of coffee until I was 30. and I What? Start, yeah. Literally, my first cup was when I was on my 30th birthday. And I didn't start drinking it regularly until two or three years ago. And even regularly was like once every two weeks or something at that Oh, point. my gosh. How yeah. did you get through school? <laughs> I, there's, there's something weirdly off about my uh, biology. I, I don't sleep. I don't eat. And I don't drink coffee. Yet I have infinite energy. So, whoa, are you human? <laughs> I'm definitely, definitely human. Uh, Superhuman, like the email app. Well, one of my best friends, kind of dark, says that there's probably something uh, severed in my uh, brain there that's not firing the signals that, hey, you're tired. Hey, you're hungry. Uh, take a break. 
Because, okay, well, yeah. I I mean, well, I, I want that. Yeah, let's whatever. opt for that surgery. Yeah. Let's, let's get the, the Neuralink to turn that, that feature you need on. To fig- you need to figure that out and get it patented and figure it out. It's it's literally wild. Like, I was told that I was going to burn out by, you know, like 25, the way I was, like, not sleeping. Like, I don't – I sleep, like, four hours, maybe. And I don't – I eat – oh, Corona, I put on a quarantine 15 – you know, you're home all the time. You, you eat a little bit, but normally I eat once or twice a day. I can go like a day or two without even thinking about uh, uh, food, and then I'll work the entire day, and it just doesn't. Oh my gosh! Bother me so. That's how yeah. you run your business and get funding, and then have your own music studio and yeah. do all of this stuff. Yeah. That's insane. I'm I'm super jealous because I'm like. <laughs> The complete opposite. Like I need eight hours of sleep a night and I'm always hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People, people say it's, it's that advantage. Think about it. If you you think about food three times a day and you'll make food three times a day and then you sit down and eat three times a day. I tell my girlfriend, I say I have a very different relationship with food than most people. It is definitely just sustenance for me. And I do it when I like have to. Oh my gosh. Wow. It's weird. It's weird. Wow. That is, yeah. Okay. That is like a superpower of yours <laughs> yeah. that you didn't even ask for. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Freedom or stability? Freedom. Time or money? Time. Bootstrap <laughs> or fundraising? Ah, uh, fundraising. Past or future? Future. Work or play? Uh, work. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a hard one when we're yeah. play a lot of the yeah. times, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that's it. That's that's it for the game. Um, that was before, incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Before you go, though, tell people where they can find you. So we've got nashtheory.com for your music. Tell people <sighs> how they can learn more about Undock um, and then how they can hit you up personally if they want to you know, seek out some mentorship or chat with you um, and then how they stay up to date with all the announcements going on with Undock and the product releases and things like that. Awesome. So um, I have some news to announce there, almost there. I'm, we're calling it the Infinity Stone. So we are now at Undock on every platform except for Twitter. We are at Undock HQ. So we're going to own both Undock and Undock HQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Crunchbase, Angel. Uh, there. So Undock or Undock HQ on those platforms. Uh, and I'm Nash Theory on every one of those platforms. If you'd like to reach out to me, I am at Nash on Clubhouse though. And I'll keep saying that at Nash on Clubhouse. Um, yeah. Reach out to me. Best place is probably Twitter. I, I check it once every uh, couple weeks or so. So if you want to DM me there on Twitter, that's a, a good place. And yeah, follow, please, please, please follow Undock or go to undock.com, sign up for the wait list. You'll be uh, notified uh, when you get access and you're notified of any new product uh, releases upcoming. And they're all very, very, very exciting, incredible, earth shattering, groundbreaking. I'm not overselling it. The event at the end of October is going to change everything. It's going to change everything. We have something up our sleeves. Very exciting. Everyone's going to sign up for Undock. Wow. What a note to close on. I love that. I don't even want to add anything else onto that. Because <laughs> awesome. end of October is going to, our world is going to change. Yes, I it can't is. Wait. Yes, it is. 
I can't wait. Well, thanks so much, Nash, for being here. Thanks for sharing your story and opening up and getting a little personal with us here. Um, I can't wait to see what happens with Undock and also with your own kind of content, with your music, your, you know, your sharing about your experiences and things like that. Um, highly encourage you to do all of that. And uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Diana, it was great to chat with you. Thanks for having me on the program. And we'll talk soon. All right. Awesome. All right. See you, Nash. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Startup Happy Hour, sponsored by Content Allies. If something we said today resonated with you, please share our episode on social media and sign up for our email list at startuphappyhourpodcast.com. Happy Hour doesn't have to end just because this episode is over. Continue the conversation with us at startuphappyhourpodcast.com or on Instagram at startuphappyhour.com.